Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Hebrews chapter 6. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, as we read this chapter, we pray that we would not reject the wonderful things you've given us, but that we would continue to follow and that we would bear fruit for you. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 6. Therefore, leaving behind the elementary message about Christ, let us move on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith in God, teaching about baptisms and laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits, for it is impossible concerning those who have once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and become sharers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the coming age, and having fallen away, to renew them again to repentance, because they have crucified again for themselves the Son of God, and held him up to contempt. For ground that drinks the rain, that comes often upon it, and brings forth vegetation, usable to those people for whose sake it is also cultivated, shares a blessing from God, But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to a curse whose end is for burning. But even if we are speaking in this way, dear friends, we are convinced of better things concerning you and belonging to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have demonstrated for his name by having served the saints and continuing to serve them, And we desire each one of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of your hope until the end, in order that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and patience. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. And so, by persevering, he obtained the promise. For people swear by what is greater than themselves, and the oath for confirmation is the end of all dispute for them. In the same way, God, because he wanted to show even more to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his resolve, guaranteed it with an oath, in order that through two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge may have powerful encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us, which we have like an anchor of the soul, both firm and steadfast, and entering into the inside of the curtain, where Jesus, the forerunner for us, entered, because he became a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. We are in the section of Hebrews where the writer is telling us that Jesus is high priest, And in chapter 5, he quoted from Psalm 110 about how Jesus is according to the order of Melchizedek. He said he wanted to say a lot more about that, but the problem was that they weren't ready to hear it. So he started this warning section talking about how they needed to be mature and to handle meat and not just milk. So now in chapter 6, he is still warning about the need to grow spiritually. He says in verse 1, Therefore, leaving behind the elementary message about Christ, let us move on to maturity. So he wants them to move on from the easier things. 
He lists repentance from dead works. I think the idea here is that the Jews would be tempted to think that they are saved by the works of the law. So, a simple teaching is to tell them to repent of that and to turn to faith. Then he mentions baptisms. If it was singular, we would assume that it was the Christian water baptism. Since it is plural, that makes it harder to be sure. Perhaps he is talking about Jewish purification washings. But then, why do they need to be taught about it? Another possibility is that he is talking about Christian water baptism and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, so that would make it plural. He mentions the laying on of hands. They would lay their hands on people and pray for them, generally asking for the Holy Spirit to come into them for a particular purpose, such as healing or giving them a gift, such as prophecy or speaking in tongues. The resurrection from the dead is a little easier to understand. The idea that Jesus rose from the dead and we also are looking forward to rising from the dead, and the eternal judgment that comes when we rise from the dead. So these were the elementary things that he wants to move on from to more mature things. Then he warns of the opposite of moving to maturity. He talks about falling away, and the warning is very strong. He says that it is impossible to turn people back to God after they have tasted the good things in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and then rejected them. He gives a picture similar to the parable of the sower and the soil that Jesus gave. But here, the Hebrews writer just gives two types of ground. The good ground that brings forth useful fruit, and the bad ground that produces thorns and thistles and will be burned up. But after this strong warning, he softens it a bit by saying, We are convinced of better things concerning you. So while he is warning them, he is also saying he doesn't really think that they are that bad ground, but it is a warning for sure. It seems that he has left the warning section and is back to his argument about Jesus, the high priest, in verse 13. But we might not quite understand immediately what he is driving at here. He brings in a promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis. Surely I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply you. At first, we might not see how this applies, and actually, I think he is taking this, that they as Jews would understand, to explain what he wants to get them to understand about Jesus as high priest. So he isn't trying to explain this promise, but is using it to help them understand the passage from Psalm 110. The Jews understood that God had kept this promise, because there were many Jews around the world by the time Hebrews was written. But the thing that the Hebrews writer wants to focus on is that God said, Surely, which was an oath. So God didn't just say, I will greatly bless you, but surely I will greatly bless you, which was an oath. The Hebrews writer says that God cannot lie, but God wanted to make the promise more certain, so he used an oath. Today, people have a hard time understanding what the point of an oath is, because they have lost their belief in God. But the idea of an oath is to ask God to hold us accountable if we don't do what we promise. Who can God ask to keep him accountable? There is no one greater. So he calls on himself to keep himself accountable to keep this promise. And since God doesn't lie, it is doubly certain. Then at the end of this chapter, he mentions Melchizedek again. So he's going to apply this to the Psalm 110 passage in chapter 7. And now for a deeper dive. Is it possible to fall away? There are different ideas about this. You may have heard, once saved, always saved, which is not a Bible phrase, but it summarizes one idea about this. 
For people who believe once saved, always saved, this warning is a hard passage. Those who believe that once you are saved, you cannot fall away would look to passages like John 10, starting verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish forever, and no one will seize them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can seize them from the Father's hand. So John 10 is a hard passage for those who believe you can fall away. Generally, the way those who believe you cannot fall away will treat passages like this one in Hebrews 6. They will say that he is warning them about something that only a person who was never saved in the first place will do. So a truly saved person will never fall away. Other people just look like they are saved, but when they fall away, it proves that they weren't saved. On the other hand, those who say it is possible to fall away would say about John 10 that it is saying that the devil cannot snatch people out of Jesus' hand, but it doesn't say that the people can't walk out of Jesus' hand of their own free will. I think we can work with each other with different views on this, as long as we don't dismiss this warning in Hebrews. He said this to people who were following Christ, and it is a warning, so we need to heed it. There are some who think that people can be backslidden Christians and still be saved, and that, I think, is very dangerous teaching. We need to accept the warning, not turn away. That we need to keep growing. That we need to produce fruit. So, whether God counts some people as saved and then later counts them as lost when they fall away, or if God counts them as lost the whole time because he knows their hearts, it really doesn't matter to you and me. We need to work and produce fruit. And we cannot see into anyone's heart. All we can see is fruit. And we should also be secure in knowing that we are in Jesus' hand from John 10. That we are not alone. That he is protecting us. Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible. Copyright 2012. Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.